I'm sure in your lifetime you have seen people that suffer well and others who don't suffer too well. You'll find those that can go through great difficulty, great trials, and they'll have uh, uh, joy in their hearts. And you'll find others that go through great difficulties and great trials that all that they do is complain. All that they do is murmur. All that they do is grumble. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of the children of Israel. Nothing was ever good enough for them. In the wilderness, what do you find? That they're always murmuring. They're always complaining. Not all of them. We understand that. But I'm speaking in a general sense. But as Paul's writing to us and talking to us this morning about life in the Spirit, because that's, that's what um, Romans chapter 8 is about, life in the Spirit. And as he's talking to us about it, he now comes to a section that is real for all of us. No matter whether you know Christ as your personal Savior or if you were to die right now, you'd spend eternity in hell. Whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ, there's something that's common with all of us and all of us go through suffering. And Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, for I reckon that the suffering... He starts right off and he says, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting you to understand about something about suffering. And for those of us who... Uh, know Christ is our, our personal Savior. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit. We have life in the Spirit. And so therefore, he's telling us how we are to suffer well. You say, well, everything's going well for me right now. I don't have to worry about suffering well. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. This morning, listen. Now listen. If you think that this world is going to get more friendly with Christians, you are sadly mistaken. It's going to become more hostile. It's not going to become more friendly. We can see that, that we see, if you study any type of history, you can see persecution all around the world, even present day persecution for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and lest we, we start living with blinders on, exactly the way Satan wants us to live, with blinders on, thinking that persecution for Christians will not come to America, guess what? It's on its way. It's already happening. Thank God there was a law that was on the books about um, uh, religious freedoms in California. Uh, I shouldn't say it was on the books. There was, there was a proposal to put a law on the books for religious freedom in California. But it got struck down, and I thank the Lord for that because it would have hindered us in what we can say and some of the things that I would have to preach because what the Bible has to say would be considered hate speech today. But my friends, let me tell you something this morning, that if it's in the Word of God, it's going to be preached from this pulpit as long as I'm the pastor of this church. It doesn't matter if the world calls it hate speech, but because of that, let me tell you something, because of that, because we speak the truth and we need to speak it in love, because of that, there will be suffering for the believer. And Paul is speaking to us about the suffering in the life of the believer. And he concludes, he comes to the realization that suffering is a part of life. He says, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time. So with this knowledge that suffering is a part of life, we must understand that we need to learn how to suffer well. I guess my first question, if somebody said to me, well, Pastor, you need to learn how to suffer well. My first question would be, well, what will enable me? What will help me? What will give me the ability to suffer well? 
I, I mean, I'm not quite sure how to suffer well. Is it, uh, so what am I, uh, what help do I have to be able to suffer well since the Bible's telling me this? Well, the believer is able to suffer well because they have life in the Spirit. Because you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you're able to suffer well. You say, well, Pastor, and then my next question would be, Pastor, then what does it mean to have life in the Spirit? Well, it means to live as a child of God. It, it means, put it, I'll put it to you this way. You say, well, what does it mean to live as a child of God and, and life in the Spirit? It means that to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to govern you. Life in the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit guides you and governs you. And, and we are led as we, put it this way, you're not going to be led of the Spirit, you're not going to be having life in the Spirit if you're not cooperating with the Spirit. So we, as we are led and as we cooperate the Spirit, and the Spirit leads us into repentance. The Spirit um, leads us to think more about Jesus than, and to think less about ourselves. As the Spirit leads us to think, uh, um, uh, as He leads us into truth, as the Spirit leads us into love, as the Spirit leads us into holiness, as the Spirit leads us into usefulness, that's what it means to be governed and guided by the Spirit, that as the, the Spirit leads us into these things that we follow through on them. And it's through this Spirit as He leads us in the truth and holiness and love and usefulness. And it's through this Spirit that we learn to suffer well. It's amazing to think back, if you've ever read the book, of, uh, the, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, to be able to see how those people um, gave their life for the cause of Christ. You read about saints going by that would, that would be burned to the stake. That would, that would have their limbs chopped off. They would be put on stretchers, machines, where they would stretch their bodies and they would actually rip their bodies apart and their, their, their joints would pop out and then they would rip the skin literally off the person, off for the cause of Christ. But, but how, how, do you, how do you learn to suffer well like that? What about a Peter who, who refused to be crucified the same way his Lord was, but, but decided to be crucified upside down? And, and John, who, uh, what historians tell us, was thrown into boiling, water, uh, boiling oil uh, before he was uh, uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. How do you suffer well like that? And not that any of us, hey, I'm going to be the first one to admit, I would much rather have comfort, uh, uh, comforts of, of this world. I, I don't want to have to suffer. None of us like to suffer. But the point is that we are all going to suffer, so therefore we must learn how to suffer well. And it's through the Spirit, the life of the Spirit enables each believer to endure suffering well. So what, what are the factors? You say, Pastor, okay. Well, what are the factors that enables the believer to endure? This is key. Enablement and endurance to suffer well. Enablement and endurance. We think suffering well, uh, endurance for us is about 24 hours. Man, I've suffered well. All right, Lord, when's this going to be over? 
But I, I've, I've told you before, what if that suffering is a physical suffering, a health issue, or whatever the case may be, and God decides never to heal you this side of heaven? What if, it, what if it's a family that's been ripped apart and you're suffering because there's, the relationships are broken there and God decides never to allow that to be put back together? How do you suffer well? Well, let me give this first. What's the endurance and enablement? Number one, if you're going to take some notes, you accept the fact you accept the fact that suffering has its place. Suffering has its place. Look at verse 18, if you will, of Romans chapter 8. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What I like about Paul is that he was not refusing or he was not trying to ignore or refuse to acknowledge the fact of human suffering. He was not trying to ignore refuse, uh, the fact of human suffering. You know, that's what I like about uh, the Word of God. It's real. It's real. And it brings life down to our, our level, and it, and it helps us to be able to go through life the way that God would want us to. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would, please. You accept the fact that suffering has its place. One thing I, I, I mentioned, think about the way Paul wrote underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's so encouraging is that he just didn't gloss over things. I want you to see what Paul had to say in, in the book of Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. He was so real. This is, this is an encouragement to me. 2 Corinthians 1.8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. We would say it this way, I'm at my wit's end, above strength, insomuch, and now he goes, it's even going further, insomuch that we despaired even of life. The suffering was so great that he despaired even of life. Paul knew about suffering. Matter of fact, Paul probably knew more about suffering than any of us in here. But he knew that there was a place for suffering. And here, here's where hope comes in. He knew the place of suffering. He didn't allow suffering to predominate his life. He understood, because if you read on, you'll find that, that Paul, though he despaired of life, he continued to go on for the cause of Christ, and he wrote the book of Philippians all about joy while he was suffering. So Paul can write to us this morning underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he can say, look, I know how to suffer well. It's not because of me, but it's because of Christ who lives through me. It's the enablement of the Holy Spirit that people can look at me and say, what is with that guy? 
How can he continue to go on? And how can he continue to serve this God that he says that he loves when everything seems to be going against him? Because Paul understood that there was a place for suffering. And you say, well, what was the place for suffering? He didn't allow suffering to overtake him. He overtook suffering, how? By using it for the glory of God. He saw suffering as a means to glorify God. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to see this. He saw suffering as a means to glorify God. You don't allow suffering to predominate your life. You understand that suffering has a place and a purpose in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, here you go, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He understood the suffering that he was going through was for the glorification of God in his life. And as we start to understand that suffering has a place, you're not going to escape it, folks. You are not going to escape it. I was watching, flipping between channels last night, and I was watching uh, something about a, uh, a murder-type thing that went on, supposedly with this guy who was a missionary and he ended up murdering his wife. Uh, maybe some of you saw it last night. But what I found interesting was the wife, the mother of the girl who was murdered, the, the, that uh, man who supposedly murdered her, she said, just days before, my husband was telling somebody about how perfect our family was. My point is that suffering hits the most perfect of families. So since we cannot escape it, we must learn how to utilize it for the glory of God. You want to know why you suffer? Because of sin. Do you realize if there was no sin in the world, there would be no suffering? If there was no sin in the world, there would be no suffering. So you know what suffering should do? It should help you make, uh, it should help you to hate sin more. But what are some of the traits? If, if, what are some of the traits or some of the, some of the distinct marks if you're going to understand that suffering has its proper place? If you're, right, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your suffering and future glory cannot be separated. The Bible tells us that one day we're going to be glorified, and we can't wait for that day. We can't wait until uh, all the pain, all the suffering, all the uh, injustices, uh, all that stuff is, is all taken care of, and it's all, everything is made completely new. We can't wait for that glorification day, but let me tell you, your suffering and your future glory cannot be Separated. Take a look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Jump a verse back. We were there last week. And if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also, be also glorified together. That we may be also glorified together. This is true of all believers. You know what? This was also true of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16, if you will, please. This, is the, this was the path of Christ. It's the path that Christ took. He had to suffer while he was here on earth, and he had the greatest suffering upon the cross. We understand that. And not only was it the path of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's our path as well as believers that we must suffer well. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16. Take a look in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, friends, this morning, whether we suffer uh, because, it's, it, because it's, it's persecution for the cause of Christ or whether it's just general trouble in your life, it's the lot of every believer. Now listen, this could be very morbid. This could be very depressing. Oh no, this could be cause for gloom. But if you understand that suffering has a proper place, and then it's our opportunity, it's our opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to do, our, to do His work in us in order that we would not be moved by the suffering. Look, because suffering is a part of every believer's life, Because it is. God will use that if you allow it. If I, let me ask you this question. And I'm not looking for an audible response. But how many of you want to be closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you want to be conformed to his image? How many of you want to have sweet fellowship with him? How many of you want to truly walk in the spirit, be guided and governed by him? If you were to say yes to any of those questions, then the answer that I would have to give you is that if that's the case, you will have to suffer for it. Why is that? Because we are being conformed into the image of Christ and the flesh has not been eradicated. So what does Jesus say? He says to deny yourself and take up your cross. You know what? That doesn't sound like a rose garden to me. That doesn't sound like we're eating marshmallows and Hershey bars. It sounds like that I'm going to have to put some of my desires on the back burner and that I'm going to have to say, I'm, I'm dead to self, but I'm alive to Christ. But therefore, because I'm alive to Christ, I have his power upon my life. Amen. 
But the Word of God goes on to give us more hope. I want you to see because I don't... I, you, you have to understand that suffering and future glorification, yes, I want to be glorified, they cannot be separated. It's an impossibility. But I also want you to see here, letter B, your suffering and future glory represents two ages. It represents two ages. Paul is, is contrasting here in verse 18. Paul's contrasting this age and the age to come. It is the present and the future. It's the already and the not yet. And the suffering, the suffering has to do with the opposition of the world and all the human frailties that we experience here, both physical and moral. So that's what the, the present age is all about. Is not everything that we see all about decay and tearing down and, man, we've got more trouble in this world than we've ever had. The world doesn't seem to be getting better. Things seem to be getting worse. And that's what this present age is about. But Paul says, look, you may live in this. This may be your present condition. Remember what I, we've been talking about? We don't focus on our present condition. We focus on our position in Christ. So though everything may be decaying around us, though everything may be falling apart around us, that may be my present condition, but my position is that I am in Christ and there is a future glorification that's going to come. So I've got hope. I, I, I'm, I'm not despondent. I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not overcome by fear. I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed. Though it seems like everything is falling apart. Wait a second. This is not the last chapter of the book that I've got hope to know that Christ is coming back. There's going to be a future glorification. I'm going to be reunited with Him. The glory is the indescribable splendor of God, the eternal, immortal, and incorruptible that will never, ever fade away. That's what we, that's what we need to be looking towards. Not, not looking all around this and flipping on the TV and saying, well, this is what this news person's saying. This is what this news person's saying. I'm dealing with this problem in the family. I, I don't have enough money to be able to do this and that and the other thing. Instead of looking all around here, it's our future glorification that Paul's saying, look, if you want to be able to suffer well, get your eyes off your current circumstances and focus it on the glory to come. Amen. That all that's fading away will never fade away when you get to the other side. That gives hope. But see, the problem is, too many of us, we want it now. We're impatient. Well, God, if you don't give it to me now, I'm just going to suck my thumb. I'm gonna, hey, it's my birthday, and I'll cry if I want to. I'm just going to eat worms and die. I'm going to suck my thumb. Man, I'm so glad Paul wasn't like that. And by the way, there's other people that are watching you, Christian friend, that are watching me. And that if we continue on for Christ and we say, look, there's a future glory coming. There's a greater hope coming. There's a better day coming. That they'll be able to stand strong and stand well and suffer well for the cause of Christ. If you look down throughout history and you see those martyrs who have given their life for the cause of Christ and some of the same people, they're, they're executioners and some of the same people that tortured them would just look at them and they would shake their heads and they would say, how can these people suffer this way and suffer with a joy in their heart? How can they do it? 
reason that they could do it was because the Spirit was within them. They were enabled by the Spirit to endure. And some of the same people that put those people to death came to Christ. Was it not the soldier when Jesus died, when he hung on the cross? Did he not say, truly, this was the Son of God? See, your suffering and your future glory represent two ages. See, we are being taught that the eyes of the heart, the eyes of faith, the eyes of the heart are to be set on things above. We are to be looking and we are to be longing for that blessed hope. But let her see. You accept the fact that suffering has its place. You suffer. Your suffering and future, future glory cannot be separated. Your suffering and future glory represent two ages. Your suffering and future glory cannot be compared this was a firm conviction that Paul came to. He reached by rational thought and on the basis of the gospel. He says here, take a look at verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It was because of the gospel that he could say that to the sufferings, you can't compare them. The literal translation of this, it reads this way. The sufferings of the now time. The sufferings of the now time. We would say the sufferings of the present age, as painful as they are, are not worthy to compare to the glory that will be re revealed in us. Take a look at 2 Corinthians. Turn there, if you will, with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. Paul writing again. You can't compare your suffering and future glory. Have you ever heard somebody say, maybe you've said it, you watch somebody go through a very difficult time and say, man, they have suffered tremendously. Or maybe you've said, I have never seen anybody suffer and go through such difficulty as they've gone through. But guess what? All the suffering that they may have gone through, if they know Christ, their personal Savior, it, it, it cannot even compare to the future glory. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. Now look at what Paul says. And he includes himself. I'm so glad he doesn't say your, he says our. So he's not, he's not, he's not trying to disparage any of us here in whatever suffering you may be going through. He says, for our light affliction. You said, Paul, well, you don't know what, what I'm going through. It, it doesn't matter. He says, for our light affliction. Paul could say, well, you don't know what I went through. Not all of it. We know some of what Paul went through, but we don't know all of it. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I want you to turn over to 1 John chapter 3. So what's, what are we learning? That listen, look, you're suffering you're suffering. If you're going to suffer well, don't try to compare it to anything else because there's a future glory coming. We look at life as extremely long when it's really very, very short. And the older you get, 
the shorter life becomes. Take a look, if you will, that your suffering and your future glory cannot be compared. Take a look at 1 John chapter 3, what the Bible says. Beloved, verse 2. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hey, friend, if you're going through physical suffering, you know what I would do if I were you? I'd memorize that verse. If you're going through a, um, a, a difficult time in your life, I would hold on to that verse. First John was written to believers. And I would keep quoting that every time the old slew foot would come up and try and discourage you in, the, in, your, in your suffering and, and have you start to complain in your suffering and, and have you start to feel overwhelmed by your suffering and, and have you start to feel despondent uh, in your suffering. You just start quoting, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. You say, Beloved, I am the Son of God. And it does not yet appear what I shall be, but I know that when Jesus shall appear, I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. You say, well, Pastor, well, how many times do I need to repeat that? As many as it takes. You say, well, why should I do that? You're a really good company when you do that if you want to learn how to suffer well see many times we think about Jesus suffering well in the garden and he did did he not I'm so thankful that Jesus suffered well in the garden but how about this how about 40 days with no food no water and tempted consistently relentlessly by the devil what did Jesus do he quoted scripture and Jesus showed us in the 40 days in the wilderness, that, that temptation time, or the 40 days of temptation, how to be able to suffer well. And when temptation comes our way, what are we to do? We're to turn it around. And when the devil comes our way and starts throwing doubts in our minds and starts throwing uh, uh, things that we shouldn't be thinking in our minds, what do we do? We quote Scripture over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it's the Word of God. It's not your Word, but it's the Word of God. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. As you quote that scripture, you just start thinking about the future glory that's going to be revealed. And you just hold on to that. See, Romans 8 is about living by faith the same way that you accepted salvation by faith. That this is your position in Christ your condition is we are all suffering your position is glorification what a great hope these promises of God that we have can encourage us and learn to suffer well through the power of the Holy Spirit I don't have enough time to go into the rest of this message You say, Pastor, then what do you want me to take away from this? Number one, you will not suffer well, you will not endure suffering well, unless you are guided and governed 
by the Holy Spirit. You will complain, you will grumble, you'll get despondent, you can get, you'll get angry at God, you'll get angry at others, you'll lose your Christian testimony. I'm telling you, if you do not learn how to suffer well and allow the Spirit to work in and through you and look at it as this suffering has a place in my life. Folks, we do not believe in karma. We do not believe in yin and yang. We don't believe in any of that nonsense. So then what has come into our life has either been ordained by God or permitted by God. But let me tell you something. It's, for, it's had to first pass through the hand of God. Some of it is a result of our sin. Is it not? But God can redeem that and use that in your life to glorify Him. So I want you to take away first that I am going to be guided and governed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be guided and governed by my feelings. I'm not going to be guided and governed by Oprah. I'm not going to be guided and governed by Dr. Phil. I'm not going to be guided and governed by you fill in the blank. No, I'm going to be guided and governed by the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, I'm not going to allow suffering to have predominance in my life to have power over me but I am going to accept the fact that suffering has a place and I'm going to hold on to the fact that he which hath begun a good work in me will perform that good work until the day of Jesus Christ he will perform that good work now how he performs that good work since he is the potter and I am the clay he has every right to perform that good work any way he wants he may make me a vessel unto honor or he may make me a vessel unto dishonor or he may look at that vessel and say that vessel is marred and then he may have to break the vessel in order to remake the vessel but however he chooses to, to, to make me I am going to allow that to happen because he started this good work in me and he's not going to give up on me. And he's not going to quit on me. And this suffering has a purpose. This suffering has a place. And it's to be used in my life to glorify God. I'm going to be governed. And I'm going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Suffering will not predominate my life. Suffering will not predominate my life. Not because I'm determined. <clears throat> no. But it's because I am guided and governed by the Spirit. I am in the Spirit. The Spirit is in me because I've accepted Christ as my Savior. So therefore, I am going to be governed and guided by Him. Why? so that I can suffer well.